Chapter 11 of the 45 Guardsmen by Alexander Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter 11. Still the League. At the moment when Robert Briquet was about to enter, he saw Poulain waiting for him. Pardon, said he, but my friends do not know you and decline to admit you to their councils till they know more of you. It is just, and I retire, happy to have seen so many brave defenders of the Holy Union. Shall I reconduct you? No, I thank you, I will not trouble you. But perhaps they will not open for you, yet I am wanted. Have you not a password? Yes. Then give it to me. I am a friend, you know. True. It is Parma and Lorraine. And they will open? Yes. Thanks. Now return to your friends. Briquet took some steps as if to go out, and then stopped to explore the locality. The result of his observations was that the vault ran parallel to the exterior wall and terminated in a hall destined for the mysterious council from which he had been excluded. What confirmed him in this supposition was that he saw a light at a barred window, pierced in the wall and guarded by a sort of wooden pipe, such as they placed at the windows of convents and prisons to intercept the view from without, while the air was still admitted. Briquet imagined this to be the window of the hall, and thought that if he could gain this place he could see all. He looked round him, the court had many soldiers and servants in it, but it was large, and the night was dark. Besides, they were not looking his way, and the porter was busy preparing his bed for the night. Briquet rapidly climbed on to the cornice which ran toward the window in question, and ran along the wall like a monkey, holding on with his hands and feet to the ornaments of the sculpture. Had the soldiers seen in the dark this figure gliding along the wall without apparent support, they would not have failed to cry, Magic! But they did not see him. In four bounds he reached the window and established himself between the bars and the pipe, so that from the inside he was concealed by the one, and from the outside by the other. He then saw a great hall lighted by a torch and filled with armor of all sorts. There were enough pikes, swords, halberds, and muskets to arm four regiments. He gave less attention, however, to the arms than to the people engaged in distributing them, and his piercing eyes sought eagerly to distinguish their faces. Oho, thought he, there is Monsieur Cruche, Little Brigard, and Leclerc, who dares to call himself Poussy. Peste! The bourgeoisie is grandly represented, but the nobility. Ah! Monsieur de Mainville presses the hand of Nicolas Poulain. What a touching fraternity! Ah, an orator, too! continued he, as Monsieur de Mainville prepared to harangue the assembly. Briquet could not hear a word, but he thought that he did not make much impression on his audience, for one shrugged his shoulders and another turned his back. But at last they approached, seized his hand, and threw up their hats in the air. But though Briquet could not hear, we must inform our readers of what passed. First, Cruchet, Marteau, and Bussy had complained of the inaction of the Duc de Guise. Marteau was spokesman and said, Monsieur de Mainville, you come on the part of Monsieur le Duc de Guise, and we accept you as his ambassador, but the presence of the Duke himself is indispensable. After the death of his glorious father, he, when only eighteen years of age, made all good Frenchmen join this project of the Union, and enrolled us under this banner. We have risked our lives, and sacrificed our fortunes, for the triumph of this sacred cause, according to our oaths, and yet in spite of our sacrifices, 
Nothing progresses. Nothing is decided. Take care, Monsieur de Mainville. Paris will grow tired, and then what will you do? This speech was applauded by all the leaguers. Monsieur de Mainville replied, Gentlemen, if nothing is decided, it is because nothing is ripe. Consider our situation. Monsieur le Duc and his brother the Cardinal are at Nancy. The one is organizing an army to keep in check the Huguenots of Flanders, whom Monsieur d'Anjou wishes to oppose to us. The other is expediting courier after courier to the clergy of France and to the Pope to induce them to adopt the Union. The Duc de Guise knows, what you do not, that the old alliance between the Duc d'Anjou and the Béarnais is ready to be renewed, and he wishes, before coming to Paris, to be in a position to crush both heresy and usurpation. They are everywhere where they are not wanted, said Bussy. Where is Madame de Montpensier, for instance? She entered Paris this morning. No one has seen her. Yes, monsieur. Who was it? Salcide. Oh, oh, cried all. But where is she? cried Bussy. Has she disappeared? How did you know she was here? Because I accompanied her to the Port St. Antoine. I heard that they had shut the gates. Yes, they had. Then how did she pass? In her own fashion. Something took place at the gates of Paris this morning, gentlemen, of which you appear to be ignorant. The orders were to open only those who brought a card of admission, signed by whom I know not. Immediately before us, five or six men, some of whom were poorly clothed, passed with these cards before our eyes. Now, who were those men? What were the cards? Reply, gentlemen of Paris, who promised to learn everything concerning your city. Thus Mainville, from the accused, became the accuser, which is the great art of an orator. "'Cards and exceptional admissions?' cried Nicolas Poulain. "'What can that mean?' "'If you do not know who live here, how should I know who live in Lorraine?' "'How did these people come?' "'Some on foot and some on horseback, some alone and some with lackeys.' "'Were they soldiers?' There were but two swords among the six. I think they were Gascons. This concerns you, Monsieur Poulain, to find out. But, to return to the League, Salcide, who had betrayed us, and would have done so again, not only did not speak, but retracted on the scaffold thanks to the Duchess, who, in the suite of one of these card-bearers, had the courage to penetrate the crowd even to the place of execution, and made herself known to Salcide at the risk of being pointed out. At this sight, Salcide stopped his confession, and an instant after, the executioner stopped his repentance. Thus, gentlemen, you have nothing to fear as to our enterprise in Flanders. This secret is buried in the tomb. It was this last speech which had so pleased all the conspirators. Their joy seemed to annoy Briquet. He slipped down from his place, and, returning to the court, said to the porter, Parma and Lorraine. The gate was opened, and he left. History tells us what passed afterward. Monsieur de Mainville brought from the Guises the plan of an insurrection which consisted of nothing less than to murder all the principal people of the city who were known to be in favor with the king, and then to go through the streets crying, Vive la messe! Death to our enemies! In fact, to enact a second Saint Bartholomew, in which, however, all hostile Catholics were to be confounded with the Protestants. End of chapter 11. 
Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.